I'm going to guess that um, some of you have had this experience also. Uh, you, you put a t DVD in or you go to On Demand uh, to, watch a, to watch a movie some night, and you, the movie starts, and you immediately fall asleep. And you wake up right at the end of it, uh, and you hear like the last line of the movie, Louis, I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And you think, what happened? Or, After all, tomorrow is another day. What happened? Yeah. I feel like this passage from Acts is like that. We get the last five verses of the whole chapter, and, and it's just a summary of a, all of chapter 10 is the story that leads up, leads up to what happens at what Ben read. I mean, a lot happens uh, to get us to the last line of Peter ordered them to be baptized and they invited him to stay for a couple of days. It begins with a man named Cornelius. He's a Roman officer. He's a Gentile. It says he's uncircumcised. And he's praying. He was, he was very attracted to Judaism and, and probably... Uh, you know, followed Jewish, uh, went to synagogue and, and read Jewish scriptures and did Jewish prayers. And it, he was praying, and God spoke to him and said, uh, there's a man named Peter who's staying in, in Joppa, and I want you to go and send for him and have him brought to you because he has some things to say to you. Now, at the same time that God is speaking this to Cornelius in his prayers. Peter is in Joppa praying on the roof, and he has this vision sent by God. You see, God's a multitasker. God can do two things at once. And so this vision of, of, for Peter is this food comes down to him like on a picnic blanket, and it's spread out, and it's all this food that Peter because of his religion, cannot eat. I'm sure pork is in there. And he can't eat it, and, you know, shrimp, all the stuff we like. And, and he can't eat it, and, and God says, take up and eat. And Peter says, I can't do it. God says, take and eat. And Peter says, I can't do it. And, and God says, take and eat. How can you call unclean that which I call clean? And Peter says, I can't do it. Now, at the end of that vision, the food goes back up into heaven, and these guys come and say, Cornelius was told by God for us to get you and take you to Cornelius because you have something to say to us. So Peter goes with them uh, to Cornelius, and he begins to preach to them about Jesus and the resurrection and God's love for all people. And in the middle of his sermon... Uh, the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his household, and they begin speaking in tongues. It's evidence that they've been given the Holy Spirit of God, that God is working in their lives. And Peter says, golly, if they've been given the Holy Spirit, what prevents me from baptizing them? They hadn't baptized any Gentiles up to this point. And and then he baptizes them, and then they ask him to stay um, for a couple of days. 
The last verse, he ordered them baptized and he stayed for a couple of days, strikes me as anticlimactic when you got all this other stuff going on, God speaking in prayers and Holy Spirit descending and visions of, of big elaborate picnics and so on. Um, what is so dramatic about the last verse here? Well, the first is Peter ordered them to be baptized after they received the Holy Spirit. Do they really need to be baptized with water when they've received the Holy Spirit? To me, this is like um, somebody being hired without a college degree, being hired uh, by an architecture firm, passing the architecture exam for licensing, being made a partner in this firm, and being given the, the, the biggest contract that they have. I mean, why does the person need to get a, an architecture degree when they've got all of this other stuff already? Well, here's how I've come to understand this, why Peter baptizes them after they get the Holy Spirit. And my analogy is, is a wedding analogy. Toward the end of a wedding, there is what's called the declaration of marriage. It's after the vows, after the declaration of intent, after uh, the exchange of rings. And the minister says to the congregation, now that Chris and Pat, I picked those names especially, <laughs> now that Chris and Pat have given themselves to each other with solemn vows, with the joining of hands, and the giving and receiving of rings, I announce to you that they are a married couple in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and those whom God has joined together, let no one put asunder. My role there in declaring them married is I'm a witness. We've done premarital, and I'm a witness that God is moving in their life, and God has called them to be married. I don't marry them. They marry each other. They make the vows to each other. They exchange the rings. I am only saying God wants this couple to be married and God is working in their lives. Now, I realized how important this witness is at a marriage when I started marrying same-gender couples. There would be people at the wedding service having their doubts about whether their grandchildren, their great nieces, maybe their children, should be marrying a person of the same gender. And I was the representative of the church and God's representative saying, God has called them to be married. God is moving their in their lives, and God has joined them. 
And who are we to say that they shouldn't be joined when God has joined them? It's a pretty powerful witness. I think that's what Peter is doing here. He's saying to the people gathered, God is moving in their lives. And who are we to second-guess God? Let's acknowledge that God is moving in their lives. So let's baptize them to show that God is moving in their lives. And others will know that too. The second thing is, after Peter has them baptized, they say, stay with us for a couple of days. The word that's used there is, abide with us for a couple of days. Abide with us. You know, I can't abide that. It means I can't tolerate it. I can't stomach it. But abide with us, stay with us, remain with us, learn about us, endure. There's a, a difference between preaching at somebody and abiding with them. There's a difference between teaching at somebody and abiding. There's a difference between giving money to a person or a cause and abiding. Yeah. We give more of ourselves when we abide. Stay with us, Peter. Just don't drop your dynamite and run. Stay with us. I've told this story before, but I like it. When I was in college, um, one Friday, uh, we, uh, some of us were just sitting around saying, what are you going to do tonight? What are you going to do this weekend? And nobody had anything special. And somebody said, why don't we go to New York for the weekend and, and just see some movies and, and hang out in New York? And we said, Sure. So we got in a car and we drove down about four and a half hours to New York and about halfway there, somebody said, where are we going to spend the night? Nobody had thought that through and we weren't going to pay any money for a hotel or, or a motel. And so one of us said, well, let's go across the Jersey City and stay with Ed. Uh, we all knew Ed. Ed was a Roman Catholic priest. Um, Ed had a ministry to the least of these uh, in Jersey City. The, uh, the homeless, prostitutes, drug addicts, the poor. So we descended on Ed and said, Ed, we're here. And he said, it's great to see you guys. I'm really glad you came. And we said, well, Ed, can we spend the night? And he said, sure, sure. And I'm glad you came because we're having a covered dish dinner and fundraiser at the, uh, at the shelter tonight. And I'd really like for you guys to come. It would mean a lot to the people who are there uh, to have you come. And we said, you know, Ed, you know, we came to New York to, um, to go to some bars. We came to New York to, uh, to see some movies and maybe some plays. We didn't, uh, we didn't come for that. 
And uh, he said, well, okay, I'd, I'd really like you to come. And that seemed to bother me more than my friends. And um, as we were leaving to go to New York, he, um, I, I turned to Ed and I pulled out $10. And I said, here, Ed, um, here's $10 for the shelter. You know, in, in 71, that was pretty good money for a college student. And Ed said, um, John, I don't want your money. I want you. I want you to go and show the people there that they are accepted, that they are wanted, that they matter. I went. It was some difficult conversations. I didn't know what to say. Moved in different circles. I, you know, it was the first time I'd seen a woman with bright blue hair. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference when we abide. We sit and get to know the other person. And I imagine as Peter abided with Cornelius and the other Gentiles. He learned a lot about Gentiles, and they learned a lot about Jews. <laughs> and maybe it finally dawned on Peter why he had that vision about eating all that strange food, because here he was with Cornelius eating all that strange food. That's what God meant. That's what God meant. Abiding is about hospitality. It's about moving out of ourselves and committing to the other person. Abiding is about intimacy. And intimacy overcomes our fear of the other. And we learn that they're human, not some strange animal. And abiding is about a sense of home. You know, come home. Come home. All you who are weary, come home. <laughs> One of the big issues in our society today is the issue of home. Home and homeless. I don't feel at home here. I don't feel like I belong here. You know, it's a wonderful thing to feel at home. Because we matter and we count. I think the point of these, this last verse is that Peter is giving a witness that all people matter to God and that God is hospitable to all people. That God abides. That God abides for me and God abides for you and God abides for all that we encounter. The world is a hospitable place because of that. And that's what we witness to. May it be so. Amen.